Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. If you're interested in seeing how the journaling that we mention in the podcast works, check out our website at familybiblejourney.com or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. When you see the logo, you found our page and you will see lots of posts that we update regularly from the podcast Journal Bible. Thanks for listening. This is episode 22, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey New Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 14. The title of today's podcast is Dying to Serve. And our key verses for today are verses 13 and 14 where we read, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. This is the word of the Lord. Chapter 14 provides us with another transition in Matthew's gospel as John the Baptist, we are told, is beheaded for his faithful ministry of proclaiming the word of the Lord and preparing the way for the Savior. We hear of an unfortunate set of circumstances that he found himself tangled up in where he had confronted the king about a wife that he had that was not rightfully his, and he ended up in prison for it. And even though the king held John to be a prophet, or at least he respected John because the people held him to be a prophet, we are told that at a lavish celebration, a great big party the king had called, that his stepdaughter danced to entertain the guests, and he was so enthralled by her performance that he offered her anything that she wanted, up to half of his kingdom, we are told, and all she asked for was the head of John the Baptist served to her and to her mother on a platter. This is a terribly tragic and sad end to a wonderfully faithful life and the ministry of a man who was born to serve God and his people by preparing the way for the Lord, which he did faithfully. And so here in this chapter, we see that John the Baptist is another one of those who suffers and is killed for righteousness sake. We go all the way back into Genesis chapter four. Remember when Abel was killed by his brother Cain because his sacrifices were right as he listened to the Lord and followed the Lord in faith, whereas Cain did not receive the Lord's favor because he didn't listen and he didn't exercise faith. So too here now, John the Baptist is just the latest casualty in the war of evil against good. And on hearing this news, we are told that Jesus withdrew by himself to a desolate place. And even though Jesus is trying to get away, he wants to spend some time in seclusion. He needs to spend time with his father in prayer. He wants to spend time in the word. He wants to be refreshed by the company of his disciples on this, the news of his cousin's death, that the people heard about it, that they followed him. And we are told that when he comes ashore in what is described as a desolate place, that there were great crowds there. And as we heard in our key verses, we are told that when Jesus went ashore, he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them and that he healed their sick. Now, I want to point out that in this verse, we see that crazy, weird Greek word, esplagnichtheth, esplagnichtha, or esplagnichtha, esplagnichtha, yeah, it is that hard to say. And I don't even know I'm saying it right. Esplagnichtha, which means his stomach was turned at the plight of these people. He was repulsed by their suffering. And so upon landing on the shore, he heals their sick. He casts out their demons. He heals all their diseases. And the people congregate around him and he's teaching them and it gets late into the day and finally they realize that there is not enough food for all these people in this desolate place and the disciples told Jesus to go send those people away and he said that they needed to give them something to eat 
And here Jesus really presses his disciples. He really pushes them beyond their limits. They they said, we have only here five loaves and, and two fish. They, they didn't have what they needed in and of themselves to feed all these people. But Jesus, not deterred by their lack of faith, asked for the fishes and the loaves, had the people sit down. We're told that he prayed, said a blessing, that he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, the disciples gave them to the crowds. And as the disciples were handing out the loaves and the fishes, what they found is that there was no lack at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus miraculously provided all that was needed for this many thousands of people to eat there in that desolate place. In this, feeding the 5,000 is an unmistakable demonstration of Jesus' care for those who were unable to provide for themselves. And the disciples in this story, even though they are the ones who told Jesus to fix the problem and didn't believe that they could do what they had on hand, they were the ones who got to assist in handing out the bread, handing out the fishes. And I wonder how they felt as they kept putting their hands into a basket of bread, a basket of fish, and finding every time they put their hand down in that basket, a little bit more bread, a little bit more fish, a little bit more, so that that little bit more that kept coming out was enough to feed the entire crowd. How did they feel that it was their hands, even though their lips spoke of unbelief, they got to hand out the very bread of life to these people? How did they feel having just doubted Jesus, being the ones he used, being the ones that he chose to distribute this miraculous food? Do you realize that every time that you care, any time that you serve, any time that you tell someone about God and his love, that God uses your hands, your lips to care for others, you, my friend, get to do the Lord's work. It is uplifting and it is encouraging and it is really refreshing to the soul when people respond positively to the gifts of God and we see that God truly is using us to do his work. And a true disciple recognizes when we get to experience these glimpses of God's love and we get to be the hands through which God provides for people, whether it's in our work, if we are in a caring profession, or if it's in simply sharing the love of, of God with somebody who may be suffering or, or hurting or, or dealing with a difficult time in their life, it is really refreshing and encouraging when we see these people respond positively to those things. And undoubtedly, the disciples were also encouraged in their work as they got to see Jesus provide miraculously. But after the feeding of the 5,000, we're told that Jesus still needed to take some time. He still wanted to rest. And in verse 22, he tells the disciples to go before him in a boat to the other side of the sea while he dismissed everybody. And then after everyone was gone, we're told in verse 23 that he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. I have one of those words of wisdom sections right here on this passage. It says, W-O-W, Jesus withdrew, all caps, Jesus withdrew. That's simple. And underneath there, a little explanation in the journal Bible. When life stinks, you need a break or just don't know what to do, you have divine permission to take a break. And I think that we need this permission slip from God to stop and take a rest because we live in a world that is so frenetic in so many of our lives. We live at such a busy pace that it feels like we never get a chance to stop and refresh and recharge. And there are a lot of people who are always running on empty. Even Jesus in this passage needed to take some time by himself. And so if you're one of those people that's just doing too much all the time and never gets a chance to stop and rest, maybe you never get a chance to stop and smell the roses, you can use this example of Jesus to do that which you need to do for yourself. Because when our minds are too full, our time is too full, and we just don't have what we need, then oftentimes our understanding and appreciation and perception of God's goodness and the blessings that he has given to us, it gets warped and twisted and to see and becomes seen as burdens instead of blessings. And it is really important for us to take those times when we need them to just stop 
and rest and to be refreshed, and particularly be refreshed in times of prayer, in times of God's word, and in alone time where we can shut out all of those outside voices and just listen to the Lord, share with him our hearts, our thoughts, our feelings, and be refreshed as Jesus was during this very busy season of ministry right on the heels of the death of his dear cousin. See, both those men were quite literally dying to serve. And Jesus, in order to serve well, recognized that sometimes you just got to stop. You just got to slow down and you need to spend time with your father in prayer. And if Jesus needed it, my friend, how much more do we need that same rest for our souls? So Jesus took his time to rest. But as Jesus was up there on the mountain resting, we're told that a storm came upon the Sea of Galilee and his disciples were being buffeted by the storm and Jesus goes out to rescue them and he's walking on the sea and the disciples scream. They freaked out. They thought they saw a ghost. They thought that they were dead men. The same men who just fed 5,000 men, women, and children earlier in the day are convinced that they are going to go this very night to meet their maker. And when Jesus saw them, he called out to them and he said, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. In his words kindled faith in their hearts. Peter, emboldened by Jesus' words, asked to go out and walk on the water, and he got to walk on the water for just a moment before he was plunged under the waves in unbelief. But Jesus reached out his hand, took hold of him, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And just as we can find ourselves right along with the disciples being used by God to do his work, we find ourselves here at the end of this chapter, doubting and not believing, and yet Jesus still there. Even for those of us who know better than to doubt, even those of us whose hands have been used to do the Lord's work, we receive in Christ Jesus and in this passage pardon and forgiveness for our unbelief, even as Jesus brings us back into the boat, back into that safe place of faith, and calms the storm as only he is able. And so our chapter concludes with the disciples saying, Truly you are the Son of God, a, a mighty and bold proclamation of Jesus' true identity as the Son of God. But they were not done because Jesus and the disciples were about to head back to the other side of the sea where they were going to go into Gentile lands, where Jesus was going to continue to bless people by healing and take care of them. But just as John had been rejected and Jesus is being rejected, we're going to see in this next chapter another clash between Jesus and the Pharisees as they stubbornly refuse to accept Jesus as the disciples knew him to be the very Son of God. If you appreciate this podcast as a part of your daily routine and would like to become a monthly sponsor so that others are blessed as you are by the podcast, go to familybiblejourney.com to learn more. Sponsorships are tax deductible and cover our operating expenses like hosting and the services that make this podcast work. Our blessing for today. When you are buffeted in the storms of life, may you find peace in the love of Christ. Amen.